My name's Josh, and I'm the host of Modern Mouse Radio, a weekly series connecting Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars to the real world and connecting the real world back to the stories, heroes, and princesses that we all love. My name's Shannon McCarter, and I am Network 1901's resident fangirl and book lover. I have a strange obsession with Peter Pan. I love Star Wars, and of course, I read like there is no tomorrow. I co-host Explain This Book to Me with Dale, where it's basically like a book club, but I am the only one that's obligated to read the books. I'm also the host of the podcast series The World That Never Was, a look into some of the ideas Disney had for its theme parks and the real-world issues that led them to never be built. I also make videos for our YouTube channel, including a little theory explaining how Jen and Cassian totally survived at the end of Rogue One, which is great news for me, considering they're one of my many OTPs, and that ship totally needs to sail forever. Plus, you can catch me hanging out at Disneyland on our YouTube channel, dropping history, facts, and secrets about the happiest place on Earth. So find me, along with Shannon, Angie, Danny, Dale, and Andy, over at Network1901.com. Bringing you everything under the Disney umbrella. Network 1901. Uh, This is Bruce Zick, the artist of the Atomic Legion and Mandala, or Mandala, uh, Mandala, and creator of the Zone Continuum, and you are listening to We Be Geeks. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. This program is powered by Tascam. Tascam's mini studio creator, US42, is your new personal production and online broadcast studio featuring a professional quality audio interface and a number of unique real-time effects. The mini studio creator delivers everything you need for your podcast or webcast. Find out more at Tascam.com, part of the Gibson family of brands. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It's Brett, Derek, and Mike. Um, no jewels this week, but we are joined by, I think, our first three-time guest to the show. Hey. Uh, All right. Wow! Could possibly be a first three-time guest. Um, and he's back to push Terminal Point, um, which is a book I need to grab. If you're not familiar with Terminal Terminal Point, go check out The Zone Continuum, which is amazing. And if The Zone Continuum sounds familiar, that's because the person who did our show ID this week is the gentleman who's with us this week, and that's Bruce Zick. How are you doing today, Bruce? I'm doing outstanding, and I'm such, uh, I'm so thrilled to, to be a three-time uh, I don't know, winner or loser, I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I clearly don't have anything else to do, so uh, I met your availability and uh, glad to be here. Well, 
I know Terminal Point just came out in trade paperback from right. Caliber. Yeah, yeah. So fill us in on, because I, I remember the Terminal Point back in the 80s. I think the area I lived in in New York was one of the few places that got your book. Because oh. there was very limited distribution with it, I believe, back in the day. How is it you were able to bring it back to the forefront in a collected volume here well, in 2017? It's, a, it's an interesting dynamic going on between uh, Caliber Comics, which uh, has just recently uh, resurrected itself from a a long uh, hiatus. Caliber was a real popular, very small independent publisher in the 80s and 90s, and then they disappeared. And then uh, a couple years ago, they came back. And the funny thing is, uh, the Zone Continuum was originally with Caliber in 1992, and then uh, Dark Horse picked it up at, to do news stories, which started coming out last year. So Dark Horse picked up my Caliber book, and now we're running with that. Uh, and conversely, the Terminal Point book was originally uh, from Dark Horse in 1993, and then it disappeared. And then Caliber... Uh, was interested in reprinting it, and so they they ended up producing it uh, in 2017. So I have this sort of like back and forth going on between Caliber and and Dark Horse. Uh, but the bottom line for me is uh, that there's been some interest in uh, republishing some of my 90s work, which really didn't get a huge amount of exposure, like you're saying. Although uh, when Terminal Point did come out from Dark Horse. It was considered a pretty successful book back then. For some reason, it sold really well. I don't know why. And uh, so it's hard to figure out how these things work, I guess. I know I liked it because it it was an original concept that truly hadn't seen in books before. And it was fitting that that time period where sci-fi was really making a huge resurgence again. Considering it, it had been 10 years since we had a Star, Star Wars film and Star Trek was kicking up and, um, oh, 90s, what else was going on, going on back then? I mean, it was so long ago, but I mean, sci-fi was definitely kicking up all over the place. You know, it's interesting that uh, I really do like science fiction and uh, I don't uh, read a whole lot of books currently. So I don't know if science fiction is really very popular right now in comics versus fantasy and maybe mythology and and superheroes. Uh, but I was I'm bringing back uh, the Zone Continuum web series, which we can talk about another time. But uh, I'm I'm figuring out how to promote it, and I'm realizing I, I should promote it as real science real science fiction web comics because I I have a feeling that science fiction isn't uh, getting hit as heavily now in, in comics and graphic novels and in a truly uh, uh, complex kind of way. And I could be wrong about that. You might you might uh, be able to tell me how much science fiction is, is being well represented nowadays. Uh, I think the only books I can think of are the Star Wars books. Yeah. Space opera, Star Wars. Yeah. Well... Yeah, there's a couple. Well, IDW still got Star Trek. Yeah, IDW still got Star Trek as well. There's a couple so. things from Image too, but nothing, nothing like super mainstream. No. Right. right. So maybe I'm I'm cornering the market on on science fiction. I don't know. 
<laughs> I guess I'll, I'll push that angle. Just in case. a uh, niche. I don't know if anybody really wants to read uh, like web comics that get very complicated. Uh, everybody keeps telling me to keep make things more simple, and uh, it's really hard for me to uh, thin things down because people's appetite for density isn't maybe what it used to be in in graphic novels and comics. So. Uh, I, I keep wanting it to be more and more complicated, which probably works against me. Yeah, actually, I, I think don't. It's kind of. Go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead. I think it's just kind of the world we live in. I think people's attention spans are shorter, and you've got everybody flipping channels. They got a million things other to do, flipping their phone, right. everything like that. So people don't take the time to really dig into stuff like that anymore. It seems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there some su- successful science fiction uh, TV shows out currently that that people are kind of getting into? Uh, um, yeah, Star Wars Rebels yeah. um, right. is one. Uh, Westworld, yeah, Westworld, yeah, that was, was good. That, uh, um, I, Stranger Things had a big yeah. sci-fi element to it. Uh, uh, I mean, there, there's. I know there's quite a bit on on Netflix and and Amazon Hulu. Um, I guess it depends on what what uh, type of sci-fi you're looking for. Yeah, I mean sci-fi. I kind of think, sci-fi like channel has some. Right. Yeah, you would think the sci-fi channel would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would hope. <laughs> they, they show more wrestling than uh, sci-fi uh, shows. <laughs> I know. You know, actually, in the uh, about ten years ago, Sci-Fi Channel was interested in the Zone Continuum as a TV show, and and my heart was like beating very fast. But then they ultimately uh, turned it down because they didn't feel like uh, they could do the budget right for the, the ideas of it. And but nowadays, with the computer effects being so much cheaper, I, I do think uh, it's it's more practical to do shows like that yeah i think so yeah it's kind of good in one way because you wouldn't want them to to uh not do it right yeah you would want them you would want to make sure they could do do justice to it right yeah i, I used to always want to see the fantastic four as a in a movie but then you know you just couldn't imagine well how could they really do reed richards really right stretching yeah. his arms they, they never there's no way and uh, and you know doing Ben a really good more like monstrous Ben Grimm not in a in a rubber suit <laughs> uh, so that was sort of for me like a holy grail of oh one of these days I'll really be able to do the Fantastic Four yeah yeah I thought uh, Spider Man was one for me that I never thought that I would see being able to yeah. swing through the city on the webs yeah. or anything like that and now there's amazing. there's um, three versions right <laughs> yeah but I thought the originals were were pretty groundbreaking yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, the, the choreography of him swinging through those uh, concrete canyons w- was pretty breathtaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I never thought we'd see anything like Avengers or oh yeah, like big superhero groups and teams and stuff. Oh yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah, Justice League coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how did how did the process go about bringing Terminal Point back to Caliber to to the graphic novel status? Well, they uh, contacted me a couple years ago just because we had that past relationship with the Zone Continuum, and that they were you know looking to get rebooted and looking for properties that they could publish. And so uh, at that point, I uh, Zone Continuum was already at Dark Horse, so. 
uh, I thought, well, I, we can't do that one, but maybe, uh, you know, Terminal Point, which was just sort of laying around here not doing anything, maybe that would be right as a, as a direction to go. And, and I always felt like it was... Uh, it was one of my better uh, stories to be told in terms of uh, telling uh, a three-part stories. Of course, it didn't resolve all the issues uh, in the in the three-book storyline, but it sort of had a beginning, middle, and end. And and I didn't feel like the idea was overly complicated, and and that there was a nice little love story in it, and. Uh, I, I just felt like it was a it was a really good introductory three book series, and I wanted I wanted to see it uh, come back. So uh, I, I'm especially proud of that because some of my other books, like the Zone Continuum, back then was was kind of uh, rambling and and way too complicated and hard to get get the simple essence of it. And this other book series I did for Dark Horse called Atlas, um, I just think I missed the mark on what it, what it should have been all about. And and Terminal Point for me what was one of my better better storytelling efforts. So uh, if 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 we get enough of an interest in it, then that might lead to. Uh, starting to do new stories with it, which would be really exciting for me because uh, there's a larger story arc to be told in it that resolves all the issues. And, right. and I, I'd love to be able to really take that big bite out of it and tell the big story. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it does get picked up for for an ongoing. You know, you know what's funny about it is back when I wrote it in the 90s, I, I was using sort of uh, cutting-edge futuristic terms like the web. <laughs> and, uh, they, they were building this, this time uh, multi-dimensional network uh, that had uh, terminal, that had uh, well, before I explain that, but uh, it had, I, I figured, well, what, what's, what would be an interesting term to call it. I'll call, call it the web, and, and the guys who ride these cyclopean three-wheel uh, time-traveling motorcycles, they could be web runners. And, <laughs> and hardly anybody was referring to the internet as the web back then. And and so now I'm, I'm looking back at it going, well, uh, that sure it looks like I, I wasn't very original when I thought up that name for things. <laughs> <laughs> But who who knew you were almost quite possibly instrumental in some of the terminology we use today? Yeah, me and Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can fight it out to see who invented it. Yeah. <laughs> You're a trailblazer. I, yes. A legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm showing that it's on uh, Comicology. Has it been doing pretty decent on there? Or? I, I don't know yet. Um <laughs> We're, we're actually, um, I'm just not even fully into the promotion of it yet, and um, I'm starting to get some uh, interviews going up on some some uh, uh, comic websites and uh, some reviews of the book, and um, I, I have a lot of promoting I want to do yet on it, so I... I I, I've sort of been waiting to see the book, uh, and and actually we're, we're doing some tweaking on the look of the book, uh, which is improving it uh, from its first printing. 
So I feel really excited about now really getting gung ho on it and kind of looking at the not not the initial short term sales, but um, the long term promotion of it and the long term sales of it. So uh, I, I hope I hope it takes off. I don't know uh, what what it uh, needs to be in terms of sales numbers to be successful. It's it's just such a tough market, and uh, everybody keeps sort of saying, "Well, graphic novels are really the way to go." But uh, you know, there's so many graphic novels out there. It's hard to imagine how your book can really get noticed in that glut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we can help with that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anybody that gets the book and can point back to you guys, I'll, I'll give you uh, uh, some royalties on it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of that. <laughs> we need to have some kind of uh, promotion code or something. Yes. <laughs> we Be Geeks at checkout. <laughs> yeah, just say We Be Geeks and and, uh, and the word shall be known. <laughs> yes. Do the secret handshake. <laughs> just, just say you heard, heard about it it here on Weeby Geeks on Facebook or Twitter. Right. So, um, so, so we got Terminal Point coming out. Um, well, it is out. Yeah, it came Mm -hmm. out in December. Yeah. Um, Zone Continuum, you got some new stories coming out with Dark Horse, another novel coming up, if I remember right? Uh, yeah, we're actually, well, we're, we're still trying to finalize the, uh, the, the next deal for it, and, and I hope I can get it up on the uh, 2017 calendar. But uh, I've been really thinking really hard about what, what kind of stories I want to keep telling with the Zone Continuum, because the, I, I felt the, the new book that I did back in February that was all color, all new stories, sort of rebooted it and was successful in telling a nice uh, like four chapter graphic novel sort of hundred page story. But but now I'm I'm yearning to do a smaller kind of uh, self-contained stories that really help people understand the smaller ideas of what it's all about rather than this big episodic 100-page story. And and I was thinking back to Hellboy, how Hellboy got started. And originally, you know, they were doing these 8-page or 10-page Dark Horse Presents stories, which are just quirky little simple digestible bits. And, and that helped really get the character established and find the audience and then he was able to go from there and tell these bigger stories and in graphic novel form and and I sort of think that's that's really helpful to the audience to be able to uh, see a smaller story that's quirky and kind of gets you into some of the concepts without requiring the reader to really uh, have to figure out a lot of things and understand big ideas with it so that, that's my thinking almost like a tales of Asgard kind of uh, combination of uh, short stories and maybe a, a, a longer story or two for the zone continuum so that's that's really my de- my desire for where that should go and uh, with terminal point I just think I can keep telling part of the episodic longer story because it's a easier concept to get and we can just keep moving forward with uh, like the second part of the terminal point saga right now for for those of you interested in ordering a copy of Terminal Point, you can get it at calibercomics.com forward slash terminal dash point dot html. 
Right. So, or you can also just go on Amazon too and uh, and find it there uh, through uh, Caliber too. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, but thank you, thank you for that uh, plug. I, I I was also thinking about how much I like that black and white look to the uh, terminal point end of the zone continuum, and I was trying to think about whether ultimately color is is the way to go. Or I mean, there's something sort of uh, like a time capsule about black and white stories that. I just find irresistible, and, um, and I, I, I love I love that look. See, that was one of the things I loved about the original um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Was the black and white? You know, here here's a world of color, and here comes a couple books that are, are done in black and white. And, and that was that was the appeal that I loved with it. Is like, okay, this is this has got an amazing. I, I, I like this concept of well, let's kind of give it a a retro feel of. With the black and white. Well, yeah. that's that's part of what makes uh, like The Walking Dead interesting too. Mm-hmm. That it's a black yeah. and white book. Yeah, there's something very in like it says independence. Uh, the independent books, when you think about a lot of those black and whites, uh, even like Bone and Cerebus, Cerebus, mm-hmm. Cerebus, uh, Cerberus, that, or Cerberus? Cerberus? Cer- yeah, Cerberus, <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, even even thinking back to the Sin City stuff, which is sort of like oh yeah, it's, it's sort of the holy grail for me to really understand how Frank Miller was able to design those books to be so beautiful and and radical and revolutionary. And if I could ever achieve that kind of uh, ability in storytelling, I would just go okay, forget color. I'm I'm definitely going black and white and trying to keep it simple. But you know, most people in in the marketing uh, areas of the publishers i work with they all go ah you got to do color you know the the chances of selling better are uh, multiplied many times if it's a color book and it's a lot riskier uh to to try to compete in the big market with a black and white book so uh but maybe you know if, if you can do black and white and then it's a cheaper price you know that might help people shell out the bucks to to get introduced into it whereas you know the color makes it a more expensive book so I, I don't know. Reading yeah, I, through I the uh, going both ways. Reading through your uh, zone continuum uh, web web series all in black and white, and the pages are gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, are you looking at the ones that I've got up now? Yeah, the first oh, six far episodes. Out. Far out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm really. Uh, I'm going to try to reboot that whole darn thing. And uh, again, that's. Uh, I have to get into the promoting of it because I. I, uh, I have to find a way to get people to really know that I'm doing this. And it, and it's sort of an intriguing um, project to do what I call the director's cut of the Zone Continuum, which is where I'm not restricted by format or style of the limitations of a book and I can just in my usual way sort of ramble on and try to tell a way too complicated story but I, I it's more of like to me what science fiction is really all about and and, and my original idea was that you know there's must be a huge I mean there's a huge audience that reads science fiction books so I know people like to read 
<laughs> and so I thought I, I should do a web uh, series with that in mind where I'll, I'll make it more complicated. I'll make it something you actually have to read and spend a little time, you know, not too much per episode, but, you know, make it feel a little bit more literary. And I, I don't know if that's just really a, a stupid idea in today's world to ask the reader to maybe have to read it more with more text. But uh, that's what I'm going to try to do anyway. And, and we'll see how foolish it is or not. But that's that's why I call it Reels. Uh, I've got I just did a new banner for promoting the uh, Zone web series, and I and I call it Real Science Fiction. Is sort of the the slogan of it all that I'm going to promote. And and I and I think that's that really is true about it. It is. It, it is what you would come to expect if you were going to read a science fiction novel, uh, but it's on the internet free in a web series. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's a really original idea. I've never really yeah, seen really. it, like, especially with the sci-fi type stuff. Usually you see like maybe some cartoons or something like that, but not like a actual like full page pages of uh, or a couple of pages of comics each week or yeah. every couple of days. Yeah, and and then you know I, I get uh, there's all the conventional wisdom that's telling me not to do it, especially or or to pop up one one little, one panel at a time and you know make it digestible little nuggets. Uh, that you keep um, um, going from one panel and then you click on the next panel and you click on the next panel and I'm just having like a scroll down of one long segment that you have to read all at once and yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I I'm gonna do it my way, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> it looks great. I can I can definitely tell you that. Well, I sure appreciate it. I know I've got one reader out there for sure. That that encourages me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I I've been loving the Zone Continuum graphic novel. It's it's been a great book, and I can't wait to get a hold of uh, Terminal Point. Well, uh, if you uh, can wait a little longer, uh, I'll send you one if you want, <laughs> or. Or you would boost my sales numbers and go to Amazon and get it. But, but um, I, I, like I said, the uh, the first books were printed a little bit too lightly, and I just got it back approved today, and I'm a lot more excited about uh, the the quality of how it's looking. So those will be more the kind of books I want to uh, have people like you guys read. And you know, it's a little, uh, you know, it's got that duo shade technique in it. And I don't know how many people know about duo shade uh, in general out there, but it, it was a way of adding gray um, tones to your artwork without having to do all this tedious uh, pen and ink cross-hatching, or, right. uh, or you you know, you had the zip-a-tone sheets that you would cut out little pieces of it and it, it would adhere to your artwork and you could make gray patterns that way, but uh, this duo shade paper was what a lot of the illustrators through the whole middle of the 20th century used to a great success. And, and I think to this day, the best Zipatone art, I've, uh, I mean, the best great to- uh, duo shade art I've ever seen was in those early Mad Magazines. Right. Uh, Wally Wood and Jack Davis were just doing the most gorgeous duo shade. And it's, it's basically a chemically treated paper that's white and you don't see any shading in it, but you have these two little jars of chemicals. And, and if you brush on one chemical, it brings out a lighter gray that suddenly appears like magic on your paper. 
And then if you, you brush on the second chemical, it brings out a, a darker gray. So you, you can just kind of paint into your artwork uh, all these gray tones that are really, really exciting. But they, they stopped making that paper now, so you can't do that anymore. It just It's oh, all being no. done in, in Photoshop now. But it's not, you know, if you like to work uh, with the, the tactile quality of paper and pen and brush, you don't have any way of doing that anymore. So it's, it's sort of a loss. But it, it's, it was a, a great experience to do both the terminal point and the original zones uh, in that duo shade paper process. It can really tell a difference just looking at the, yeah. again, the pages on the, on the web series. Just, cool. It's uh, great. Now, do you, do well, you think it's kind of a 3D effect? Do you think some of that comes from uh, your time as a storyboard artist in the film side of things? Well, I think you know my love for the the environments of, of uh, books, book storytelling, came out of my work in animation and uh, as a concept artist and designer. Uh, because for I don't know, 15 years, all I did was do backgrounds for animated movies and TV shows, and so I had to learn. Uh, serious uh, chops on doing perspective and technology and landscapes and architecture. It was just my entire world. And then when I went into comic books, I tended to gravitate towards stories that relied heavily on, on interesting environments that the stories take place in. And like Terminal Point, it's uh, got all this futuristic technology of the web runner who crash lands into 1940s film noir New York City. So he represents this future, but yet the 40s is all about sort of like this streamlined uh, sort of quaint technology that's got more buttons and knobs and dials and and cables and things. So you've got the uh, combination of uh, two different styles of technology in the backgrounds, as well as the architecture of of New York City. And so that that to me was really uh, exciting to be able to um, explore complicated machinery and devices and things. And, and and certainly in the zone continuum, it's all about architecture and strange sort of uh, cyberpunky technology. So I, I always tend to pick juicy worlds to try to illustrate in, in comic books and graphic novels. Now, what's, what's the difference between Terminal Point and the zone continuum? Well, for, for those who this, don't know. Oh, sure. Okay, so the Zone Continuum uh, is about uh, the the society of ancient people who were the first people of Earth and before humans evolved. And they, uh, over time, became trapped in zones all across the planet. Their bodies became attuned to electromagnetic areas of Earth, and that's where they lived. And if they tried to cross through the boundary of their zone, they would die. And then slowly, mankind developed uh, their civilization, and and, uh, starting around the turn of the last century, as technology, as the Industrial Revolution came up and technology really became more advanced, it started interfering with the zones that these ancient people were living in. And then once uh, the uh, um, World War II came along and the, and the first uh, atomic bomb was dropped, from that point on, the, the zones, the continuum of zones or the zone continuum 
of Earth, they really started warping and mutating and creating all this these horrible monstrosities that were killing off the ancients trapped in their zones. And our story takes place in Zone 27, which is in the heart of New York City. And uh, the zones are warping and mutating so much. Zone 27 is rising off the surface of the ground, and it's risen to a boundary that's 150 feet off of sea level. So all these ancient people now have to live 150 feet off the ground in skyscrapers. Uh, for like the 15th floor up is where they live. So they occupy penthouses and rooftops and all these domains in the upper realms of the city. And the leader in the zone continuum, whose name is Talon, still feels like uh, humanity should be allowed to exist, even though it's screwing over their zones. But he's trying to work with humanity and see humanity solve the problems that are interfering with the zones. And his uh, antagonist opponent character feel, uh, feels that humanity should be eradicated so that the earth can be restored to its original condition and the zones can become stable again. So they are the, the, the Talon and his opponent fight each other to determine who is going to be the leader of these agents and who will decide whether mankind can uh, exist or, or be destroyed. And, and it's very much a sort of an environmental message because all the technology, the satellites, the pollution, uh, everything is interfering with the zones. And the only way to really ultimately save the zones is to either save the environment or just get rid of people altogether. So that's the zone continuum in a nutshell. And, and Terminal Point is a little bit more of a simple story of a, of a group of uh, brilliant scientists who are trying to control time and space. And they, they, there's a three-dimensional network that goes, I mean, a multi-dimensional network through all reality that they're constructing. And, and I got the idea for it by watching an old movie called Western Union. And they would have these linesmen who would go out into the wilderness in the Indian country and they would string the telegraph wires out in, into the dangerous frontiers to bring uh, the telegraph out and bring civilization with it. So in Terminal Point, the, these uh, web runners travel through time and space and they build these beacons, which are called Terminal Points. And after they've constructed all the beacons, all these terminal points are completed through this multidimensional uh, universe. They'll all interconnect into like a grid and it'll give this group of scientists control of time and space. And the lead character, his name is Pilot, is a new generation of these web runners who was programmed to replace the old generation. And uh, he has this time-traveling, three-wheeled, gigantic motorcycle that's sort of like a horse to him because it has artificial intelligence. And this uh, three-wheeler uh, carries him through time and space. And so he's going to be the new, the new guy on the block replacing the old web runner. But he goes renegade for for a reason that's not important. He just uh, he fights against his programming and he has to escape the the secret society called the Terminus. And he, he runs away and crash lands into the, uh, the 1940s period of New York City. And he meets this uh, hot sort of blonde bombshell nightclub singer. 
and it's about them falling in love and it's about how the terminus is trying to find him and destroy him because he's now renegade and represents the threat to their plan to create the web and it's about him also deciding that he now is going to rebel against his creators and destroy the terminus and destroy uh, their terminal points and the key terminal point is in New York City so if you can find out where this terminal point in New York City is, that's the nexus of the entire web. If he destroys that, then the terminus has been destroyed, and then he can be left alone to live with this uh, sort of um, Veronica Lake kind of hotsy-totsy uh, nightclub scene. And so that that's sort of the that's the simple version. <laughs> There's a lot more to it, but I can only get into it so much. <laughs> so is it difficult uh, doing uh, dealing with time travel, like coming well, up with the rules for it and things like that? Uh, you know what? I really just skirt it completely. I just say that this is what they're doing, and and I don't have to explain it too much. I I think the idea is that. Uh, uh, we're intriguing and complicated about it are the the evolution of this three-wheeled motorcycle super in, artificial intelligence thing uh, that pilot rides through the, the the web and what their relationship is and what the pilot was supposed to become and evolve into so that he would be able to replace the old web runners and and then what is the destiny of this three-wheeler that's evolving and becoming sentient and and mutating its, in itself as it evolves. There's this whole sort of destiny that um, I find really fascinating about, which I, I wasn't able to get into too much in the first book series, but I, I think it's really at the heart of where some of the science fiction concepts really get interesting with, with Terminal Point. Interesting. interesting. But I, th- I think with time traveling, you, you either have to... Uh, um, get into it and therefore <laughs> set yourself up for a level of complexity that can be uh, very fragile because there there's so many conundrums about time travel and, and people have done it for so long and, and even when I see it I go, well wait a minute now, if they can you know, it's like all these what ifs uh, about it that y- y- it's like a can of worms that you open up and so I, I was just uh, not really wanting to go there <laughs> do you ever do you ever feel overwhelmed by the time travel I know it can get a little it can get a little overwhelming sometimes um, I'm trying to think if I have done this other sto- uh, another time travel story before well I um, I just think it's it, it's interesting to be able in general to go back in time uh, and and pit characters against each other from different eras because when um pilot who's the main character of terminal point when he goes back into 1946 post-war film noir new york um he runs up against this this uh a nightclub sing- singer's ex-boyfriend who's a scientist and he uh he steals technology from this futuristic guy who's now after his girlfriend and and he sort of melds it into his more limited 1940s sort of retro punky technology and you and then you get these an interesting hybrid of, of how he's able to take his 
sort of uh, Buckminster Fuller kind of machines and vehicles and, and outfit it with technology from the future. And now he suddenly becomes this really dangerous character who's the most advanced person of 1946 Earth. Yeah. And so uh, th that really intrigued me to kind of um, uh, pit the future against the past and see how it plays out. Okay. That's an interesting concept. You know, I, I, I listen to myself trying to explain my ideas and, and I realize that, you know, they always say that the best stories are stories you can explain in one or two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when I was, uh, I was in Los Angeles for many years, uh, trying to sell, uh, movie projects and, and they always, they always would say, yeah, give it to me in a sentence. Just, you know, like, give me the elevator pitch. You're going, you know, you're only in the elevator for one minute and you got to explain the whole thing. And, and, uh, and if you can't, it's not a good idea. And, uh, <laughs> I feel really miserable with that philosophy. <laughs> so being a fan of uh, Doctor Who, I'm really into the time travel and stuff like that. What kind oh, okay. of influences uh, did you have as far as for coming up with the time travel story and things like that? Well, I, I really loved reading science fiction in the uh, it, when I was uh, in my 20s and 30s. Uh, I, I can't really, you know, I, I can't really tell you much about how much I retained from it because it was so long ago. But I, I read all the classic guys, I, Al Heinlein and Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and all, all the old school guys and some of the newer guys uh, for back then. But um, I certainly loved science fiction and I loved science fiction movies. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I've got this amazing copy of Forbidden Planet, which is such a crazy movie from the 50s. Mm -hmm. But if you ever have a chance to see like a Blu-ray version of it, it it's astonishing. It's, it's I've just, seen it. It is. It's, it's, yeah. And it's so ahead of its time. I mean, it oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. well. Yeah. So I just, I just love science fiction, and uh, I just think it's, you know, and certainly, um, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek uh, use science fiction, but I don't think they let it uh, be too dominant of an element of what made it successful. I think it was more the the trapping of the story. I, I've I've been watching the original Star Trek episodes lately, uh, and the ones that have been remastered with new digital effects. I don't know if you've seen them, but it looks so good. It's just blowing me away. But the thing I, I'm coming to realize about Star Trek is that these were like stage dramas. They re re relied on very little in terms of sets or places or special effects or anything. So much of each story would take place either on the bridge or in the doctor's office or in Scotty's engine room or in the you know in uh, one of the other rooms of the which were just small contained sets. Right. And it was all about right. it was all about the characters and 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 very much about drama. Uh, that let us further understand what was so awesome about who the main characters of Star Trek were. And I'm realizing, wow, it's like there's no... I mean, it still looks good to me, but you, you see how little budget there is in it, but it doesn't matter because the stories were so good and the characters were so classic. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn from that, uh, that it's really all about how good the characters are and how they interact with each other and what makes their chemistry so compelling to 
U.S. So uh, I, I just I just do really love science fiction, but it's hard to um, keep it from overwhelming your ideas sometimes. Okay. And kind of get uh, kind of make things too difficult that way by going too far into the the science of the fiction, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I can on a different converse level. I was watching a little bit of uh, the Voyager series is being uh, rebroadcast on uh, BBC Channel. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I'm realizing how eggheady and and science sciency it is, you know, where they they when they resolve a problem, they they all stand around talking about um, physics and and you know manipulating the, the technology of the ship to uh, get out of the conundrum that they're in, versus you know like a, a Kirk would have just stripped down to the waist and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, had, had a nice fist with somebody, and, and that was eminently more satisfying than uh, this sort of more eggheady kind of oh well let's, we'll do this 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 yes yes and we could do that 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 and then they go okay do it and then they push a few buttons and then uh, the, the climax is over because uh, they're all brilliant scientists. And uh, so there, there's a lot to learn from uh, watching those, those uh, old series. And, and, of course, I'm waiting for 7 and 9 to appear, which really oh, yeah. Is, yeah. was right. the highlight of things. <laughs> Definitely. She still looks uh, great. What, what is she in now? I think she's done some uh, Amazon shows or something like oh. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure at the moment. I know the last thing I saw her on on TV was uh, a show with um, uh, what's her name from was China it, Beach. Was it The Good Wife? No. Or something else. Uh, Body of Proof. Ah. Oh, okay. With um, Dana Delaney. Oh, right, right. But I guess she's she, on leverage too. She's on major crimes at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. So she's still out there. Yeah. Can't believe she's almost fifty. Holy cow! Really? Wow. Forty-eight. Wow. Huh. I never would have guessed. Nope. I, I bet she's holding together quite nicely. <laughs> fifty is the new uh, thirty-five, after all. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sure. Uh, I'm not that far Which, behind. I'll be forty-seven this year. Okay. I'm only well, here behind uh, you. I'm, I'm counting on uh, science to hold us all together a lot longer yes. than we deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to be doing any cons uh, promoting the book as well, or just doing podcasts well, and things like that? I, I, I certainly am uh, going to try to use the media, uh, the social media, as much as I can. Um, I, I'm just... I've got some really nice relationships with some uh, websites like um, it used to be Fanboy and now it's Fanbase Press, I think, and mm. Comics Asylum and Brotherhood of, uh, 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 of Mutant Geeks. I mean, I, I can't remember all the all the names of these these uh, websites that are um, uh, out there reviewing books every week. But uh, I've built up a nice relationship uh, from going through the Zone Continuum and just sending out all these emails to people trying to get them to review stuff and now some of them are going to be reviewing Terminal Point and uh, I'm just using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, trying to figure out Tumblr. Tumblr totally eludes me right now but I keep being uh, hearing that Tumblr is is where it's at, but it's it's not it's not happening yet for me. But yeah, I've never uh, figured gonna, it out. 
it, it, the thing about Twitter, I, I, I found very accessible. And, you know, if people uh, liked you, uh, you would like them. And there's this sort of mutual sort of thing going on where you help each other for what um, limited use it has. But uh, in Tumblr, it's sort of like they may like what you're doing, but they don't necessarily want to follow you or, or have too much to do with you. I, 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 don't, I, I don't get it, really. But uh, uh, right now, traveling to conventions is, is, uh, is too much of a, a logistical challenge. And so um, I would love to uh, do it, but it, it's just so disruptive with, with my schedule. So I guess uh, promoting uh, books nowadays is much different than, uh, than it was in the, in the old days. <laughs> yeah, it, with social really media t- and everything like that. <laughs> it really takes a lot of, uh, of standing out on a soapbox screaming at the top of your lungs to get noticed. And uh, I, I think a lot of uh, these websites more focus on the mainstream books. You know, certainly eight, like 85% Marvel and DC and 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 then uh, IDW and Image. Uh, and it's really hard to, to compete with that um, kind of barrier to smaller publications. So I, I have to keep racking my brains to think about press releases that are kind of catchy and have a nice uh, grab uh, sort of a bite to it. And, and then just hope I can wear people out uh, and eventually they'll, they'll review my books and, and, uh, and put it out. I, t- I tried, you know, individually emailing stores and uh, calling them up when I did the Zone Continuum and, and it just really seemed like they, they were exhausted by people saying, hey, I've got a, my new book out. Will you order it? Will you get it? It's almost like they don't want to answer the phone anymore because it's going to be somebody who's who's got their new book out and they want the store to order it. So I don't think that works so much anymore, although I could be wrong. Maybe, Michael, you might know something about that. Uh, reaching out to the stores? Uh, yeah. It's... It's difficult. I mean, I know there's a lot of stores who are open to it, um, but I know a lot, like trying to get the books in, they want you to go through Diamond. Now, mm-hmm. if you could get it listed with Diamond, then they'll pursue getting it in. Um, but if you're able to take the time and maybe come into the store for for a book signing or something, you now they'll order a bunch right. of books as well. Yeah, you know what? I, I just heard from a bookstore owner that... Uh, because I haven't been able to even get that happening here in Portland, you know, I've called up or gone in and said, "Hey, I've got, you know, I've got the, I do, I'm doing a lot of books. Uh, my newest one's coming out. Would you be interested in doing just that?" And and generally speaking, uh, I think unless you're more of a of a headliner kind of a name, they don't want to do it because they don't want to pre-order a bunch of your books and take a risk with you know not having a good turnout at your book signing and. And then they're they're stuck with the books, right? Um, so so I don't even find uh, that that's a, a, a an option for me these days. Yeah, it's I I don't understand why it tends to be so difficult getting getting stuff in uh, and, and just getting it out there uh, because the brick and mortar stores. No, what with digital, I, I think the brick and mortar stores are hurting a little bit because there's not that many across the country. Yeah, you think they'd be more open to uh, yeah things that if you're requesting something and it's and it is available through Diamond, 
or other avenues or you know if i'm able to provide you a hey you can order it f- through here please get it in that way i could help give you money which helps in turn give the publisher and the artist money and creator money i'm trying to help that whole small business right. economy system and, and they look at you going uh yeah no <laughs> I mean, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, I'm going to go the digital route and and hope that you know it, it helps the creator and the publisher on that end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know if digital has really turned into the the great next best thing that maybe they thought it would, or maybe it's just taking longer. It seems has it sort of like plateaued out a bit in terms of its sales. Um. I don't know because you know we we did a story last week saying that um, Marvel or not Marvel DC's starting to add to their Rebirth line digital comics and that mm-hmm. the and the the titles they're starting off with are going to be a dollar more to help cover the the digital comic cost which Marvel's right. been doing for for a while. You mean the digital is more expensive? Well, Mar- Marvel sells their books at three ninety nine generally, yeah. and with that, you get a code for that same book that you just bought in physical form. You get a code to to download the digital copy. Mm. So, say you don't want to read that book and you want to keep the value of that book up. Well, you have the digital copy you could flip through I see. And, and not ruin the pages of. Um, right. Now, Marvel is starting next month where they're going to add additional books along with that digital code. So you're not just getting one book. You're going to get maybe two to f- two to three books, oh. maybe more. But DC saying with their Rebirth titles, they're raising the price from two ninety nine to three ninety nine, and they're going to include a code for the, a digital copy of that same book. I see. So it, it still works out. You're getting two books for the price of one if right. you buy it physical. But you now, for for me, um, there's a. A lot, I get a lot of my books digitally, but I do have select books like Zone Continuum, like Terminal Point, that I will pick up the actual graphic novels or the individual issues because of sentimental reasons. Mm-hmm. Or right. in, in your case, you know, you're a friend of the show. I'm supporting a friend of the show. Um, but like with Marvel, I definitely get all the Star Wars titles because I'm not missing out this time like I did when Star Wars left Marvel and I didn't realize that they had left. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing Star Wars in digital or on Dark Horse and kind of find out, well, they've been with Dark Horse three, four years. I'm like, well, too late to get caught up on this. Right. Here I've got a chance to start from the beginning and and do everything from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, and then with conventions, slowly go back and get the original Marvel Star Wars line from uh, 77 to 83, 85. That'll be an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, I, I, I seem to remember that you're a, you're a fan of uh, the Atomic Legion, aren't you? I am a fan of the Atomic Legion. I don't know You'll how be, many times I've read that on, on Dark Horse Digital. <laughs> I, I know uh, you all like this news that we're, we're working on some new stories that might be uh, comic book format this time around. Really? Uh, 
for the, the so uh, it's not over yet with the Atomic Legion. I, we're gonna we're gonna bring that puppy back to life, and uh, and then I think we'll go back and uh, reissue the original graphic novel in a cheaper format because it was just so darn expensive in that quality oversized format. Yeah, that not a lot of people really wanted to shell out like thirty bucks for something they'd never heard of before. <laughs> so we we, we uh, I've been talking with the the owner uh, Mike Richardson at Dark Horse. He he wrote the story and and he wants to see it you know succeed ultimately. But um, he's we've been talking about the, a new storyline for a while and and he he just has to get around to writing it and then we'll do some new stories with the Atomic Legion. And I I just love that book so much. I just I just can't wait to get back to it. I'm I'm just sort of haunted by it because there, there's so much artwork that never made it into that book, and there's so many ideas to explore with it. It's sort of yeah. like its own it's its own universe. Yes, it is. And, and we barely stuck our toe in it, and uh, and I just want to do it so badly. It's uh, it's like it's it's almost painful how uh, how much um, uh, almost disappointment in not being able to see that just really take off. Oh, that that's good news to hear if it's in the works of in a pre production stage of coming back. Right. That 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 that's great news to hear. Because <laughs> I, I, I love like I said, I I have my I think my if there was a recount on <laughs> on Dark Horses on Dark Horse Digital I'm probably up to like seven or eight reads. I, I've, I read other stuff and I keep going back to that. Um, you know, when I know I've got long days and it's just something to occupy my time to help get me through the day. There's this uh, character, Tomorrow Man, that I just can't forget because I, I originally designed him as sort of like the uh, a George Reeves Superman yeah. uh, 40s character. Uh, almost like a combination of the old Wayne Boring way of drawing Superman back in the 40s and then how George Reeves sort of embodied the persona of uh, Superman. I, 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 I did that kind of a, a character. He's called Tomorrow Man, but he looks sort of like George Reeves. And and there's this whole world of Tomorrow Man that I have that I, I, I'm just bursting to get out there in some way because I, I've designed all these enemies of his and all these weird gadgets and technologies and and uh, it's just so crazy, retro, steampunky, uh, or atomic punky kind of uh, a crazy world. I, I just, you know, it just haunts me that uh, I, I haven't been able to tell that yet. Uh, it's very cool to hear that those stories are coming. Yeah. So now, now I got to go back and read it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I haven't gotten my physical copy of it yet. Um, only because there, there's just been other stuff that's popped up that I've needed to take care of. But, you know, I did, when I got the chance, get it on, on digital. And cool. I, I don't regret it. Yeah. I don't regret it. Well, it's it's fun to do a, a family book uh, in the midst of all these other kind of weird books that I do. To have something I can read uh, with my seven-year-old daughter. And, and, and she loves it. But I don't feel like the story has diminished any. It's sort of like watching The Wizard of Oz. I mean, I still love watching The Wizard of Oz, and and she absolutely is enthralled with it. So it's a 
like to have been able to do an all ages book. Yeah. Uh, one time in my life was a real, a real uh, great experience. I, I'm almost ready to, you know, the same way as you get my seven year old reading it as well. I, I think she's going to absolutely love the story. Cool. So, because um, I mean, she's been we we've been buying books for her in the past, and she's been loving the pictures and everything else. But now that now we we have just conquered with her uh, the island, yeah, you know, Islands of the Lost, the the book that's the the preamble to the Dis- Disney Descendants movie that she absolutely loves, um, and, and she's getting to the point where she's reading chapter books and and everything else, right. and she is reading comic books now because no her vocabulary vocabulary as opposed to my talking right now is, is pretty strong um uh-huh. I, I i think if i turned around and said okay i want you to read this uh, i think she'll be mesmerized and yeah. and let and get lost in the book in a good way i, I just posted on facebook how exciting it is to see my seven-year-old now love reading by herself yeah before, her vocabulary was a little bit limited, and she always needed help. And I think it frustrated her attention span to not really just want to sit and read a book. But she just turned a corner with that in the last month. And now it's just amazing to watch her sit all by herself. She doesn't want to be bothered. Just leave her alone. And she's sitting there just reading a, a book and falling into it. And, and that's so exciting to see that happen for the first time. Yeah, it's it's a joy. Um, it's like yeah. okay, now now you're independent, <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of scary. Yeah, right. Um, but now I I just absolutely um, I, I'm thrilled for it because she does have the love for reading, and mm-hmm. you know when they get to that stage and it keeps going and it keeps going, no, there, there's no there's no better thrill than seeing him sit back and read. Right. So, and, and comics are great for that too. I mean, they're they're oh, not yeah. for they're not for stupid people. I mean, they're it's great art. There's some great oh, yeah. there's some great scripts, great stories there. Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah. much so they've been turned into movies and TV shows, um, and even some turned into actual novels. It's right. yeah. You, you, I've actually I've learned things from comic books. Actually, yeah. A lot of when I was younger, a lot of my vocabulary was formed by. By comics, especially like reading Fantastic Four and stuff like that. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Stan Lee was such a such a uh, word monger. I mean, I remember learning uh, like from X Men had the the character Hank McCoy, the Beast. Yep. Oh yeah, and he had a real one X-Men. of my favorites. He he would really uh, throw out these these uh, five dollar words in his and and I would go look them up and. Uh, and go, oh, piscatorial. Oh, cool. Now I know. <laughs> he would fight the submariner and he'd go, uh, you can't get me that way, my piscatorial friend. And I'd go, what? What was that? Huh? So, yeah, yeah, I really did. I mean, Stan was not reluctant to use a very adult vocabulary in, in that market. Yeah. Yeah, it's and of course Stan's now making his final final round of convention appearances. Oh, is he? Yeah, our second maybe second round of final appearances. Because oh. uh, yeah, I, I know last year was supposed to be. Yeah, I know Megacon uh, just announced he's going to be back here this year for this year's show, and it's one of his final shows. Okay. I, I think it's gonna be like I think it's gonna be like Kiss the the farewell tour that just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna, be, well, gonna be a weekend in Bernie's pretty soon. 
We're even propping them up. <laughs> well, I, I, I uh, in spite of all the controversies uh, surrounding him and uh, and Jack Kirby and who did what and how Jack was treated and all that, uh, you know, I'll I'll never doubt for a second what a giant uh, force he was in redefining comics and yeah and yeah. having a real hip adult uh, kind of cool way of, uh, of personalizing it to the reader. And making you feel like you were a part of a, of a secret club. Yeah, with his, uh, what was it, the bullpen or whatever that he used to do yeah. in the, the Marvel Comics? Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. whoever wrote that bullpen every month, they, that was a challenge. It was... Yeah. They, it had that top banner at, with, with some onomatopoeia or, or you know, like uh, uh, pro, uh, proficient pundits, protata, pa, 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 you know, just every <laughs> yeah. every month or something. And then the whole thing was written in in such uh, super metaphoric and uh, hyper uh, crazy uh, style. It was just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So besides Atomic Legion, are there any other projects that you're currently working on? Well, I did another Dark Horse series, actually. I've got a, a whole 120-page saga that's all illustrated and written, and it's just sitting over at Dark Horse waiting to get scheduled. And it's been there now for over a year, just waiting and <laughs> To, to get a release date, and and originally it was going to appear first in Dark Horse Presents as uh, eight page installments, and then uh, they downsized uh, Dark Horse Presents, and and for years they had already been stockpiling stuff for Dark Horse Presents. So now, uh, like a year ago, we realized that that they've got years and years of backlog that they can't get through on Dark Horse Presents, and so um, I'm just. Uh, uh, trying my darndest to get get a time slot for it, or to just push it to be done as a as a, a series of comic books, or to be yet another graphic novel kind of a of a book. Right. But it's right. I it's I I think it's my answer to my uh, awareness of my super complexity in storytelling, and so I went ultra ultra simple this time, <laughs> and and it's all. Uh, it's all. It takes place in a prehistoric world underwater, and it's about this character just trying to survive the dangers of traveling the expanse of an underwater realm populated with, um, you know, the, the whole Jurassic area of unimaginable beasts of, of all sizes and shapes, and. He's a seagoing creature, but he's losing the ability to breathe underwater. So he's trying to find air sources uh, to survive. And uh, so it's this whole dilemma of, of uh, sort of like the equivalent of uh, somebody wandering the desert looking for water uh, and looking for an oasis or cutting a cactus apart to get some some liquid out of it. And he's uh, the other half of that. He's, he's looking for a way to find air that are tra- air that might be trapped or in sponges or or some sea creatures that produce oxygen as a byproduct. 
Uh, it's it's a whole reverse scenario, but it it's so underwritten. You you would not even recognize that it was something I had done, and uh, and I'm really proud of it. I've just I really tried to tell these short little stories that required no complex background or or heavy concepts to understand, and I, I just can't wait till it comes out. And uh, and but I I have to wait because uh, there's just this backlog. So. Uh, that's driving me crazy, to be honest. <laughs> it's really, it's really bonkers but to have it all done and just not be out. Back, I can imagine. I can imagine. As a matter so, of fact, if you, if, you go, if you go to my website, you can see a preview of it. It's called The Legends of Lamaria, and it, anybody can go there. It's uh, my website is uh, Pig Dog Productions. www.pigdogproductions.com. And on the on the main page, if you scroll down, you'll see uh, some pa- panel, some splash pages out of the Legends of Lamaria, and and it's got that same uh, highly rendered style of the Atomic Legion. It was done, okay. uh, the original artwork was done in pencil, and then I painted the colors underneath the pencil in, in Photoshop digitally. And, and so you, you don't have the, the black graphic line work uh, of a typical comic. It's, it's a much more rendered kind of look. And, and I just love it. I love it. I just I want to see it come out. Cool. So you said that could be coming out, or is eventually going to come out in Dark Horse? Well, it's going to come out somewhere or another. Whether okay. it's going to be yet another year of waiting for it to be introduced in Dark Horse Presents, or whether they they finally uh, get tired of me bothering them and <laughs> and uh, um, they'll just release it in a you know the, the, I think Dark Horse is a, a bit of a dilemma where their comic books really sell so poorly these days for whatever reason in the marketplace but I, I think you know probably IDW and and dynamite they're all in this uh, in the same boat where their their books are just selling you know four to seven thousand books a month they're just in the bottom tier uh, even even Hellboy and and a lot of the other dark horse mainstream books that used to sell well are all really underperforming right so they they t- tend to think well we'll, we'll just uh, minimize our our expenses on it and just do it as a graphic novel and and hope it, it does well there but you know the graphic novel market I think is worse I don't know maybe it is in terms of uh, trying to get visibility and and then you're asking somebody to pay fourteen dollars to buy a, a bigger book of something that they know nothing about versus you know shelling out four bucks for a comic book that they can at least get a foothold into it so it, it's really a dilemma in the marketplace for for these smaller publishers and that puts me sort of in that same spot too. Uh, the Zone Continuum originally was going to be a four-book series, but they just really pleaded with me to reconsider that strategy and just do it as a graphic novel. And and I, I, I don't know to this day if that was a huge mistake or not, really. Okay. Anybody else? No, I think I've got all my questions in. All right. Where, where else besides your website can people find you on the internet well um, hopefully uh, if you do go to my website uh, there's some links there to I have a Facebook uh, page for the zone continuum 
and I'm I'm constantly doing updates on new stuff there, and uh, and then I'm I'm just you know another local yokel on uh, Twitter just tweeting stuff, and uh, I, I'm trying to crack the code on Tumblr, but really my 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 uh, uh, website is the best place to sort of be up on things because you can you can see previews of all, all the things that maybe won't be up for a year or two. And I have all sorts of other just weird, crazy, fun stuff on my website. And also there's a, a whole Zone Continuum page to go to from my website that then has tons of Zone Continuum stuff, including the Zone Continuum web series is is uh, based there on, on the Zone page off of my main page. So it's sort of a portal for all these different things that I'm doing. And uh, if, I have, if I keep having the time, I'd, I'd like to keep doing more. I've got some other projects I want to release on my website. And, and so that's really your best bet because uh, I, I just don't know why anybody would really want to try to follow somebody on Twitter and, and get these little snippets here and a snippet there. Although I, I've been doing something interesting. I've been doing a lot of commissions and I've been doing a series of Batman illustrations lately which i am so digging and yeah i so, saw that on your yeah. twitter feed. yeah so they've great. been looking oh, great oh, thanks i i've just like rediscovered how much i love batman i i did a campaign when when i started doing these batman illustrations i went oh is batman the greatest character i mean like i just forgot how cool batman is and and then i wanted to uh i thought okay we need to do a batman zone continuum crossover <laughs> So I, I try to generate a bit of a Twitter storm, getting people on board, you know, retweeting and hey, let's let's try to make this happen. Let's let's uh, pummel DC Comics with requests for a crossover and. Uh, and of course, it didn't produce a crossover, uh, but it was just kind of fun uh, getting people into it. And and every time I do a new Batman illustration, I get people involved on it. I'll show them first the the pencil sketch, and then a day later, maybe the start of the inks. And so you can see the the illustration and pro the process of it, right? Uh, from thumbnail all the way to the very final image. And, and I realize how much people enjoy being a part of that, seeing it being done in stages. So that that is something that's kind of cool about Twitter is is uh, putting all that material up. And and but anyway, I'm I just finished a new one that I, I absolutely love of Batman. And 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 uh, you know if, if I could do a Batman story for DC, that would be a okay. Yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah. That would be awesome. I would enjoy that. Yeah. Especially if he kind of did the Noara type thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm realizing that as I do keep doing more and more of them, that I, I'm developing my version of Batman, which is kind of a weird cross between uh, Bob Kane and Frank Miller, and then some kind of grotesque aspects of it too. Like his his cape is more like leathery, crinkly bat wings than really a cape, although it, it is capish. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's very wingish too in a, in a strange way. So yeah. there's some interesting things evolving with with uh, how I'm pushing the character design of it. So I anyway, like if, if you just anybody goes to Twitter and uh, um, searches for my name, they'll they'll find my my Twitter page, and then the, you know you can uh, look back and uh, into my uh, feed and see all the previous. 
posts that I've done of, of the Batman and, and other stuff too. Anytime there's some, oh, I'm posting a lot of announcements about Terminal Point and Zone Continuum. It's sort of a portal also for uh, more than maybe Facebook or anything else. I think Twitter is my second place on the social media where you can really uh, see lots of artwork. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on and, uh, you know, I know I enjoy having you on every time every time you're back um, because you know we always get great news like oh zone t- continuum's coming out or it's out and terminal points coming and now right. terminal points coming and we might have more atomic legion um, yeah you, you you never disappoint I I always end up excited <laughs> about something when 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 we say goodbye well I I I've decided because uh, I I'm gonna go back uh, on on my social media sites and and start promoting more of the uh, Atomic Legion artwork again because uh, it it needs to have new life breathed into it. To, to keep it going and, and I'm gonna my slogan for uh, the Atomic Legion is the best graphic novel no one has read <laughs> so that's that's the byline and, and maybe that'll catch on asterisk okay maybe one <laughs> yeah <laughs> except by well, I know we will at some point get a, a review up on the site for Terminal Point. Um, if we don't also get one up on our YouTube channel. Um, awesome. So, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to pick it up. Well, I, I look forward to getting your um, your input on it, seeing what you think about Terminal Point. And, and you'll always be uh, one of the first to know about something new going on. Awesome. We appreciate awesome. that. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you, really. Great having you on. Yeah. For a third time. Yes. Well, and on that note, Terminal Point, Zone Continuum, Atomic Legion. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.